0: Good day, everybody. Welcome to the Lifetime Training Podcast. And I am very excited to bring you Mr. Andrew Wyatt. He is the former president and general manager of the NASM and now currently the president and CEO of ISSA. And, you know, he's just got an amazing track record of success with all the companies that he's been with. And, you know, he talks about his passions, which we'll get into uh, in culture. but today we're, we're really going to kind of, I think rock the boat a little bit and talk about our industry and talk about scope of practice and talk about you know roles and responsibilities that you know we have and, and organizations like ISSA have to be able to help really elevate this career and make it a profession we can retire from, which I always talk about. So welcome to the show, Andrew.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Jason. I'm uh, thrilled to be here and thrilled to be on the podcast.
0: Likewise. Well, you know, be, before we get into some of the more controversial stuff, I, I just want to give you props because I've I've heard from numerous people the the culture and and how you build your teams and you know uh, going into that and and I would love for you to just it, it go into how have you been able to do that? I mean, uh, the stuff we talked about behind you and 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 just explaining that stuff because it's just it's you know. Uh, Unfortunately, it's not common in in the workplace today.
1: Well, it's funny. You you would think that it would become more common because company after company says, you know, our most important asset walks out the door each night. Uh, And, you know, you hear those kind of buzzwords that companies uh, have around people. And when push comes to shove, a lot of times the profit motive seems to take over in the short term versus the long term thinking. And so I think if there's one thing that's distinguished, what we're trying to do at ISSA is is that we think about it in really simple terms. We are people who want to help people help others lead healthier lives. So I'll sort of say that again. We're people at ISSA who want to help people would be personal trainers, help people who want to lead healthier lives. And if we can just focus in on those people and helping encourage them and enabling them, then you know great things can happen. And, and I think most all those great things that happen come out of listening first instead of talking first. And if you start with an idea that it's about others and it's about serving others, then you very quickly get to an answer that is much better than, oh, I know the answer and I'm going to tell you.
0: Yeah, well, you know, and I love that, and it's just fantastic. But you know, you you mentioned I asked about the artwork, which I love behind you. Would you mind just explaining what you did, you know, to me off off camera, uh, just because oh, sure. I think it's powerful. Well,
1: you know, at our prior to COVID, we had a holiday party, and we have four core values in the company, and the the first of the core values is to prioritize personal connections, and so when you when you see something like this. It was all about people looking at a blank canvas and saying, "How would I bring these four core values of sharing wellness, prioritizing personal connections, going from grit to great, and then really enjoying the drive?" And what folks did is they went and took uh, paintbrushes and got in and started working through this thing. And you know, you'll see some of the things like self-care here and be well and forgiveness. And gratitude, and gratitude is sort of a core part of our business and how we think. And then you see listening well, and caring, and helping, and serving. And uh, I didn't write those words. That was the people inside of the company trying to express themselves and think about how we are in the world. And so recognizing and rewarding that, encouraging that, making that a part of what we do every day is what. Actually makes it real as opposed to just a slogan or words on uh, on a card. Um, it, it just one one small point is we meet every week for gratitude. The entire company takes twelve minutes at twelve o'clock, and people share what they're grateful for. And when you start with that attitude of gratitude, and you take that time to basically say, "Here's what I feel like. I'm just I'm grateful for this." It's amazing how it opens your mind to how much gratitude you can have in other ways.
0: You know, it's so powerful too, because, you know, so many people think that's fluff. And and, and I argue the people that think it's fluff are the ones that have the hardest time with what I call the negativity bias that is innately in our brains, you know, and in the resistance that causes our minds to basically think of whatever BS that we want to, to not do what it is that we're meant to go and do. And so I think that's just so powerful. And, and the more you do it, you find yourself seeing the world differently at the end of the day.
1: You said it, that, that is such a perfect statement. The more you do it, the more you start seeing more of it in the world. Yeah. And then you find that it's just so gratifying to actually be able to help others. And then that feeling of gratitude that you have, just it snowballs. And hopefully, you know, it's sort of, it, it sometimes feels or sounds cheesy, but you pass it along to others. And when you act in a certain way or you give to others, they then find themselves more grateful, more giving, more interested in serving others.
0: Man, that's it's great. Well one other thing too, you know, I, I know you have it on your LinkedIn profile, but is your passion points. And you, you say you have, you know, three things that you're most passionate about, helping others, being creative and learning and improving. Would you mind how did you come up with that and, and can you expand on that?
1: um so you know the 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 good news or bad news is is that I was born a certain way but I was born into a family where my parents were both deaf and so my parents couldn't hear or speak and so when I was growing up it was built into our day-to-day activities that we were helping and serving others and my father had an incredibly passionate degree of, of wanting to learn about the world and so I, by Just by virtue of being there and being a connective tissue between the communication in the hearing world and the communication to my deaf parents, that gave me this opportunity to uh, see the incredible power of learning throughout life. And so now as I'm raising kids, the recognition that the more you ask of them, the more you expect of them, and, and it's back to the, the work and, and, and ex- expectations of serving the more that you ask someone to help and serve the more readily able they are the more they want to do it the more it becomes their routine and so you know it's not a parental advice as much as it is what i experienced was is that the, the the idea of helping others and learning those two things became foundations and then the creative part to me connects to all of these things which is there is something fundamentally refreshing and energizing about being creative And when people talk about being creative, it's not just about painting pictures or writing, right? You could be creating programming for your client, and the more that you are thinking about the creative ways to help this person achieve their goals, things that will break through the mundane and routine, the more that you see that, gosh, that was really fun, actually thinking about my client and thinking about their needs and really coming up with a cool program for them, (laughs) and I'm going to do something that's going to introduce some, you know, stability exercise here, or I'm going to do something else in this program that's going to change it up for them, you find you're more excited, more energized about what you're doing.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and, and it's, you know, that's the, one of the issues with the industry is just the rigidness and the polarization where, you know, you learn from a person or an organization, and then, it becomes this dogmatic thought that, you know, this is it and this is the best and people don't expand on it. And and, and I think that leads into, you know, changing the industry. And we, we've talked briefly about this and, you know, how do you see as ISSA's role in being able to take this industry and, and call, I always say, be it an industry that's seen as a professional industry, first and foremost, and one that you can retire from.
1: Wow, it's it's such a deep question, and Jason, I, I I go back to when I first arrived at NASM, I was arriving as Mike Clark had you know spent his time running the company as president had you know expanded and built upon the OPT model, and what I noticed was that there was a, a wide variation in interpretation there were people who would study at NASM, earn their CPT, and they would totally toss the entire notion of the OPT model out the door. Because what they found was, is when they got to a client, they wanted to actually show the client uh, faster results. They didn't want to go through a stabilization process. And so they might have shortcut certain parts of it. And some people would basically say, I learned what I wanted to learn, and I'm taking from this. So I think that, When it comes to dogma, I think that meeting people where they are, really connecting with people and understanding what they are capable of is what was really both intended by Dr. Michael Clark as well as the model, as well as the company. And when it comes to practice, it's difficult for people to see that um, there is the letter of the law and there's the spirit and the intent. And so I think you have to get to a level of mastery. Before you can vary from the letter of the law, yeah. you need to have a knowledge and understanding of you know what is safe and what is effective, and so I think that there's a rush in our society to be an Instagram influencer and to be a person who's seen for their body or seen for a certain thing and and I'm stunned by people who have millions of followers who don't have foundational knowledge yep
0: i mean and, and I don't mean to interrupt but that that is one of the single biggest reasons right there of, of why I started the podcast is because people that were on Instagram. And again, I'm, I'm not bashing those right. people. What, what I'm saying is some of them have 2 million followers. Great. And they know their stuff. Some, a lot of them don't. And you right. know, that might not be the person that you want to go to, to get, and, and continue your education. And then you have organizations and people that have been around for years and years and years that have successfully helped people transition from either other careers or this was their college degree. And now they're coming in to really learn things. And absolutely. You know, at the end of the day, too the people that are bashing sometimes. And I was that guy. I did that. You know, when I was, I went through, you know, a certain high level exercise education and manual therapy stuff, and I was bashing everybody else. And I thought to myself as I, in my, my saving grace was when I got into management. So now I'm looking at, at all of the different levels of trainers and saying, wait, man, I, I was blessed, fortunate, and enough to to have twelve grand, and I don't know how many trips to different states and how much time off I had to take. It, I was blessed to to be able to do that to learn that stuff. All these other people don't. They may only have four, five, six, seven hundred bucks to 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 do their education. You know. And, and then they, they do that. And then they hear from these other people that are more advanced and they bash it. And it's just, I, I was an idiot and I'll admit it, but now I'm here to try and change it. <laughs>
1: yeah. I don't think that you were an idiot though. I think that it, there's magic to getting knowledge and then there's magic to becoming a lifetime learner. And, and I think that, that what you just touched upon is this idea that um, once you know better, you can do better. Yeah. Right. And and I don't know if it was uh, Oprah Winfrey or Maya Angelou who said that, but when you know better, you do better. And so what you hope for is that you keep getting more knowledge and you're practicing in a way that others are inspired by. And they come to you and say, oh, you went to see Paul Chuck? Oh, I, I, tell me more about that. I'd love to learn more about this. Um, you know, And so I love the idea that we can inspire other people and know that they don't have that knowledge yet, or they're not yet at that point. Yeah. Um,
0: Go ahead. No, and and to go back to your point is, you know, one is the content is great content if you take the time to learn it. Now, again, like what you said is, you know, a physical therapist, a doctor of physical therapy is going to look at the body. and, And I always say there's like A through Z options, right? Well, if you go through, NESMCPT or ISSA, corrective stuff. You you probably got A, B, and C, right. but now you start to learn more if you you go down the rabbit hole, and now you go A, B, D, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way. You know, and you you expand on your options where you see slight flaws, but that doesn't mean that from a beginner, that 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 model or that assessment is crap. It, it's what they know right now with what they can do,
1: right. You know what? You're right. It's a it's a body. um, I I, I hate to use the analogy of, you know, when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. But if you think about your career as building a toolbox and every time you add something more from an educational perspective, you've added another specialized tool in there. And the more that you can keep adding up that, the more you can level up the career because that really leads to kind of a, a passion point of mine, which is I feel like the inconsistencies around the way that we, the collective industry approach training leads to a lack of credibility in the eyes of the medical community, the insurance community and the like. When, when a physician has a patient and they're having some difficulty with their knee or an elbow or whatever, that physician feels comfortable sending his patient or her patient to a physical therapist. So that physical therapist can work with them on strengthening the appropriate parts and yep. movement. By that same token, that physician she might not feel comfortable writing a prescription for personal training because of the widely varying degree of expertise of that person. So let's imagine that we as an industry could say, we're going to collectively agree upon, here are standards at higher levels. And when we agree upon those, when you sign that script, the doctor is going to send the patient to Lifetime Fitness or to 24 hour fitness or whatever location where they know that there are personal trainers who are ready for that patient. Yep.
0: Yep. And, and it, it's the truth. And, and, you know, obviously you're, you're part, you've been part of two big organizations. How do you navigate that? Because obviously your responsibility is for the vision of the company, but also for the profitability of the company. So, you know, how does that work? How, how did how does everybody come together? Or is it, you know, an ISSA that just takes to the forefront?
1: I, uh, I wish I had all the answers <laughs> because I really don't. Yeah. I, when I was at NASM, what I was really focused on is establishing that we were the gold standard of personal training. And I was really, you know, hell bent on, we are going to tell the world that we are the best. Okay? We're the most scientific, we're the densest, we're the hardest. You know, If you go through this program, you're the best personal trainer. And, and we did a good job of having that be the positioning of the company. What we didn't do a great job of is embracing the personal trainer, meeting people where they are, and really lifting them up to get them to that ultimate outcome. It was largely, when I was there, it's tough. It's a difficult program. It's a dense program. And if you survive and you successfully earn your personal training certification, you're good. Mm-hmm. What I've tried to do now at ISSA is a different approach, one that is much more pouring into the student and giving them unlimited lifetime support. And so when you made the comment uh, around you know, you're know, you continuing to ladder up in your own career and have the benefit of this I want every ISSA student and every ISSA member to be able to call us at any time they want throughout their entire career to to talk about a particular issue or get input or advice. I want people to be able to, to again, ladder up their credentials and keep learning for a lifetime. And so if I were to distinguish those two experiences, the, the problem is this. I can't tell you. If a person goes through and takes a multiple choice test over a set of questions, and you earn your credential in this industry, I don't think that we have established that you can do the things that you need to do to be successful as a personal trainer. Yep. So I'll I'll flat out, if I can say one really controversial thing, I don't believe that earning a CPT alone demonstrates that you can be successful and working as a personal trainer.
0: I agree. agree
1: So now what do we do about it? Yep. So there, there. You can think about this as a whole circle or an arc around it. In some ways, there is the ability to be a good coach. In some ways, there's a, a a question about the ability to actually understand the science of movement and how you actually have that person experience and achieve those results, as opposed to the book knowledge that got there. On the other piece of this thing, if you're unable to sell. And and I I don't say that in some negative or, you know, sort of down way, you have to be able to sell because if you cannot sell yourself, if you cannot sell your programs, if you cannot sell, you cannot be successful as a personal trainer. You may be the greatest person in the world in terms of getting results. You won't have any clients. So are we the industry serving people well, if all we have is multiple choice tests if we limit it to exactly the knowledge that you need to pass this exam, if we stamp you and send you on your way, or should what we do is one, establish a higher level of standards, two, should we then say that you're never finished, right? The continuing education process right now is a checkbox for a lot of people of reading articles and doing quizzes, as opposed to saying, I'm gonna add the next certification, I'm gonna add nutrition, I'm gonna add coaching, uh, I'm going to add corrective exercise. Should every personal trainer out there have nutrition and coaching and corrective exercise as a part of their like toolkit? Of course they should.
0: Well, and and, and I say if at the same time, if if nutrition really is not your thing, then your there's two things I always say. One, your niche better not be weight loss, weight gain, or any of that stuff. Right? It, it can't even really be health right? It can be corrective. I can help fix potentially, potentially without it. But but bigger than that, you better know somebody in your back pocket that you know, that's really good at referring to that person. And a lot of times they don't get that as well. So right. it, it's this, you know, kind of fear, I'm going to lose a client syndrome that people get. But something to add to that, I, I want to say is, that, you know, about, God, it's probably 16, 15, 16 years ago, I interviewed 400 trainers. 200 that were super successful, you know, five plus years in the business, maintained 30 sessions a week, retention was really good. Um, I didn't look at somebody who just sold a lot. Like if you sold and you didn't service sessions, because there's trainers that basically just sell and hand it off. I didn't interview that person. I was looking for somebody who was the majority of the industry, if we if you would call it that, um, of or the majority of what you want to be in the industry. And then I I figured out what do they do? What are the commonalities? And then I looked at the, the 200 that were struggled, barely writing, doing like five, six sessions a week, but still there. And I, I narrowed it down to, it was about five to six things that the best were doing that the worst weren't. And one of the things in that, in that list was continuing education, but continuing education, every one of them learned in areas that they hmm. knew, maybe it wasn't their passion, but they knew that they needed to go and do to be successful. And it's so interesting on how people you know, you say the word sales and they immediately think use card salesman as opposed to how can I find a way that I feel good about it? Right.
1: And you know what you said that was so true is think about serving people. If you invert this thought, which is that what my goal is, is not to try to sign them up into uh, X number package unit of, 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 of uh, training. My goal is to help them achieve their results. And the more that you think about the fact that I am in service to you to assist you and help you and inspire you and act as a guide and help you get to the results that you want. And I hope that every client of every personal trainer out there realizes that it never stops. Yep. Right? This is a lifetime relationship. This is not about, I want to lose X number of pounds to get ready for my wedding.
0: Yep.
1: Right? Yep. Um, I just, you know, I, I want to get ready for a bikini season or I've had a child or or it's the it's the guy who's like, I'm gonna to go to my reunion and I wanna look better. Yeah. Right. You know, when people think about their goals in those terms versus their life, then it, it's all transactional.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as and, opposed to what you want. Yeah. And and you know, you, you said unlimited lifetime oh, I, ULS I support. Yeah, support. Right. So would you mind going into how is ISSA doing that?
1: So we have been continuously staffing up with fitness professionals. And so over the last two years, we've gone from about 60 employees to now nearly 150. And more than half of our team is dedicated to full time supporting our students. And so when you think about that business model, it is a business model that is devoted to the success of the students. And so it, way back when we started talking about, well, how would I make sure that we are kind of best serving our students in terms of their performance? So we've continued to work on new products that are, I wouldn't necessarily even call them innovations. If we're not going to be face-to-face with you to be able to see you go through and build programming and work with a client, then can we create a, a full training experience on video? so that we can attach that to the end of your personal training certification. So you pass the exam, then you do this work on video, and then we're going back and forth so that we can actually get a better sense that you've learned what you needed to learn in this program. Got it. And so the, the the intersection between cost and benefit, early on in people's careers, they don't necessarily understand the value of the education. And so it takes a little bit of time to get somebody established so that they understand that, oh, I really do want to get better. Because largely what will happen is they'll see somebody like you. They'll be working out a lifetime and they'll see you and they'll see that you're doing something different and they'll see that you're getting the results. What's he doing differently and, and how can I learn from that? Yeah. Um, I, I don't ever criticize anyone around their physical appearance. It is hard for personal trainers to connect with their clients if they don't look like they are themselves fit. Mm -hmm. But similarly, why would you go and look at a person who has an extraordinary body and necessarily think that that person or that person is going to be better qualified to provide you with the knowledge?
0: Yep. <laughs> There's this thing called genetics. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. you know, especially with the booty craze right now.
1: <laughs> but right. but that's well, you know, we we got criticized because we developed a program around glutes, and so I saw social media criticism around creating a glute certification. And what was funny is is that none of the criticism came from people who actually went through the course. All the criticism was the idea that you would have a specific program around glutes. And the the truth of the matter is, is that everyone who really understands around it understands that the average personal trainer who comes into this industry underestimates the value and importance and the connectivity of the glutes to everything else that people do. And then we look at how people sit and how they function in their lives. And then we think about how hard it is to actually activate and so when you start dissecting that and you start looking at the actual program, you see, oh, well, there is so much more to this that the average personal trainer, not the most advanced person, but the average personal trainer will look at this and say, holy cow, I can get much better results from people. It's not about building a shelf or building a booty for going to the beach. It's actually about people having better posture. It's about having people less having less back pain, less knee pain, being able to move better.
0: Yep less hamstring pulls potentially, because, I mean, you, you know, it's, on it, on. It, it's it, it's it. And, and just because somebody has one doesn't mean that it's functioning, <laughs> you know, exactly. You you said it.
1: And, and, and then frankly, when people are exercising, they're doing things that they really believe on their own are benefiting their glutes and they're not activating, they're not firing it up. Then they're not getting the results that they think they are for the work that they're
0: doing. It, it, it's funny that it, it got that criticism, but if you look back at I always look back at the major trends, like what were the hot buttons through, I, again, I got certified in 96, you know, it yeah. was kind of around it a few years before that, but you know, you put core, you put core on anything back in the day. Yeah. And P, and even now it's, again, glutes is more popular than core right now for whatever the reason it is, but put core on anything. I used to do core seminars and that's how I would get in front of people. And I, and I would get my business from that. So it's really no different. It's, it's, it's crazy. You know, it's just people It's unfortunately (laughs) the, you know, how we live right now.
1: Right. And, and, you know, I think to your point, it's about how we live. It's almost like dogma of saying, of criticizing one personal training company or certification company versus another, Mm -hmm. having been the president of both NASM and ISSA. They are distinctly different organizations who both serve largely the same kinds of missions we approach the world very differently but the two live very much in harmony because they're for different audiences and they're for different purposes and they're for different people and so we want to make sure that ISSA is distinguished in a way that that it's all about trying to pour into that person's success this is not about you know, the trying to get the science perfectly and not about kind of saying that we're the most evidence-based or we're the most scientific or the most whatever. We're all about how do I help you help others live better? Love it.
0: Love it. Well, and it's almost—it sounds as though you've—you've you've kind of created. And, and I, I attribute my success in my career uh, a guy named Tony Bruno, who he, you know, he stood up in my wedding. I met him when I was a floor instructor at the first health club I worked at. He was a trainer, and you know, he was the guy who introduced me to you know Paul Check when I was going through in, in NESM and and Greg Roscoff, All these different guys and. And I just kind of followed with him and, and he was always ahead of the game. And, and at the end of the day, the mentoring is what I think is is very powerful. And it sounds like that's kind of what you guys are doing within the NESM is to have a built-in mentoring system. Well, you said that
1: so beautifully. I wish I'd captured that for yeah. myself because that's what, what's happening. And, and we didn't set out to do it that way. What we really set out to do is to help build these kind of personal connections, Um, And, and, you know, if you sort of think about like we're here on earth to be in relationship with others. And if you think about at our core, if we can think about kind of principles of serving and you can think about the relationships that we build with others and how we, how will we build relationship with others and how do we serve others? And, um, you know, it's funny because uh, my wife once said to me, she said, if I ever got a tattoo. What I want my tattoo to be would be to say others so that every time I look down, I would be thinking about other people and not so much about myself. And so if you think about mentoring, the whole notion of mentoring is all about trying to create better for others.
0: That's fantastic. Well, you know, I want to go back to, you know, the merging of kind of the medical community to training and, you know, how are you seeing that? Occur into the future?
1: So I don't think there's a clear plan yet. And, you know, I I really have not done my job yet in leading this company. And, and what I really need to do is reach out to people like Scott Goodison at, at ACE and to Lori McCartney over at NASM and, and, and reach out to to Ursa and others in this organization as well as. The rest of the NSCA, ACSM, you can go on and on with our, our like I, I call it the alphabet soup yeah. <laughs> uh, of all the certifications and companies. But when we think about what it takes to realistically put that forward, you know, you'll hear from people like Lisa Doherty at MedFit and collectively getting together and saying, Let's go outside of ourselves. Let's go outside of our own profit motives, our own ego motives. And let's say, what's the best thing for the community? And if the best thing for the fitness community is to establish standards, to work with insurance companies, to work with the medical community, to say, here's the way in which we connect an individual client to an individual personal trainer. And when I look at telehealth and its development today, um, I was talking to Dr. Mike Clark not too long ago, who continues to look at ways to connect those two dots based on his world out of physical therapy. And so when I think about the future, I think it's really up to us to create that future. And if I think back to lifetime learning and I think about you know being creative, the creative solutions here are the ones that can provide a degree of a credential with a connectivity such that physicians don't have to think about it. They don't want to think about the personal trainer. They actually don't want to think about qualifying them. They don't want to think yeah. about the referral. They want a simplified process that they know will get results for their clients, for their customers, for their for, for their patients. And, and that's why There are so many people in our industry of fitness who have the knowledge, they have the skills and they have the ability. And what they don't have is they don't have the patient. Yep. Let's get them that patient.
0: Well, well, and interesting enough too, a lot of physical therapy, you know, facilities are hiring trainers under their guidance in, in doing this. So it's kind of like, you know, how does it work there, but Yeah.
1: Yeah. it's getting closer. and And what you just said is absolutely right. You'll see physical therapists, you'll see uh, physicians and practice groups now starting to bring personal trainers on board mm-hmm. because it can be that connection. If I have a, you know a patient of mine who has fallen and they've gone through rehab with a physical therapist, and now I want to make sure that I help reduce the risk of other falls going forward. I want them to strengthen appropriately. And I want them to work with someone, or I'm dealing with clients, and and I have issues around obesity, and I now want to make sure that that person has that coach, that guide, that mentor who's going to help them. Um, That's where those physician practice groups have been able to make those connections. But we just have to keep making it easier.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I I want to change it up a little bit and, and talk about you know the so many companies us included, right, are are looking for trainers now. You know, the, this perfect storm of COVID allowed, I think, a lot of trainers that were successful to go off and, and do their thing. Um, you know, but there's always this ask of, hey, what can you feed me? You know, can you feed the companies? And And it's hard from your perspective, obviously, because you've got us and you've got all the other big organizations that are all asking for the same exact thing. So to alienate your business you know, to one business, even though it might be what we feel is the best, um, you know, is, is one thing, but at the end of the day, you know, where do you see that role from your guys to placement into work?
1: Um, I think that, uh, we are just beginning in that journey and what we really need to do individually as ISSA, and then separately as the industry, but I'm focused on just us, um, We, as a company, need to make that connection with each of the companies. ISSA, largely, for the first 33 years it operated, operated kind of on the side. And the founders of this company were inspiring guys, Dr. Fred Hatfield, who was Dr. Squat, um, and, and Dr. Sal Aria. And their view of the industry started, just like you said, started out as bodybuilding. And, you know, their view of it was, you know, we're going to work around building, you know, really successful athletes and and bodybuilding. And that community has been a core part of ISSA for many, many years. But instead of aligning itself with NCCA accredited exams, ISSA decided it would go a different route. And so now we've come back to the industry to say we're offering five NCCA accredited exams so that we can provide somebody with an NCCA accredited certification and personal training and in cycling and in yoga and in group exercise and in strength and conditioning. But what we have to do is make sure that we're preparing people for you. So if, if Jason, if you said, Hey, uh, I'm going to run over to the Biltmore location and, you know, we're interested in hiring personal trainers. What I want ISSA to say is across the country, to every one of the, the fitness facilities who are looking for people, we want to provide the folks for you, but we actually want to do this a little bit smarter than we did it in the past. And smarter means make sure that the student is prepared to know that they have to do sales. Now, not in every situation everywhere, but they need to yep. understand that they've got to be able to walk up to someone, get their head out of their device, Frankly, don't have the device. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Look someone in the, in the eye when they speak to them. Right. And, and when I say this, I, it sounds like I'm joking. I'm not kidding.
0: No, right.
1: we actually need to be able to say, you have to look that person in the eye. You have to be able to shake their <laughs> hand, you know, or, 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 fist bump in COVID. Yeah. Um, and then what we also need to do is make sure that we're preparing people for what your unique situation is in your facilities. Mm-hmm. You know, you operate at this really wonderful high end of the market. We also have folks who are going to go to places that will be, you know, uh, lower price, high volume locations. And there's everything in between. So what, what we can do a better job of is saying to the industry and to the world, we want to provide you the right person. We actually want to help our students at the end of their process begin to say, what's the right fit for me? Am I the kind of person who wants to work in a facility like a Lifetime facility, or am I the kind of person who wants to work at a at a U Fit location? And there's not a question of whether one's good or one's bad; it's a question different. of different, different experience.
0: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. You know, and, and and the the whole scope of you know of practice starts to fit in there. You know, we like to call our our people health and fitness professionals because we want to elevate the industry. I actually got. Uh, a, a negative, but listen, I've got a negative comment in LinkedIn post because we we call them professionals, not coaches or trainers, hmm. and the and, and again we you know <laughs> you can't appease everybody, and I, I get that, but I'm like we're trying to elevate the profession to be seen as a true profession. That's why we're doing that, not because. We're, we're whatever they're trying to think. I don't even know where the the person came from because I won't argue on. Well, I I have argued on Facebook. <laughs> I just refuse to do it as much right. now. <laughs> so, but you know, so the, the the one of the other things too is obviously you've got a huge catalog, and growing, um. And nutrition is a big. You know, I know we use your nutrition and it's fantastic, um, for our nutrition coaches as well as some others, but. Can you talk to us about, you know, just the catalog and and the scope of practice where you see it?
1: Wow. It's such a, it's a great question. And, you know, we probably could dedicate a whole (laughs) podcast to just that, but to be really precise, um, I feel like there is so much confusion and fear on the part of fitness professionals and their ability to provide good counsel and good advice to their clients. And I think scope of practice is this thing that people have kind of hidden behind to say, well, gosh, you know, I can't really help you with, you know, the full extent of your diet. And, and kind of, you know, I haven't met a client yet that doesn't ask their personal trainer about what they eat and what they drink. (laughs) Um, And, and so because that always happens You know, a, a personal trainer and a fitness professional really has to have that foundation in nutrition. They really have to be able to do it. And when it comes to scope of practice questions, I think that we need to clarify for people. And, and, you know, I'm not the arbiter of this, but, but my opinion is, is that if you have a medical diagnosis from a physician that requires that you see a registered dietitian, then you should absolutely see a registered dietitian. So if I say to you, oh, well, I am you're a type two diabetic and here's what yep. you should do. And as a type two diabetic, I believe that under this construct, you should see a personal trainer because you should be working on increasing your muscle strength and reducing your fat. Yep. When it's outside of those things of specifically saying this is what your diagnosis is and you need to do this for sodium or whatever that situation may be for, for for hypertension, then absolutely every personal trainer everywhere should be trained in nutrition and should be able to provide that counsel to their clients.
0: And and they should feel, you know, that's the other thing too, is so many trainers, there's a lot of lifelong learners in the industry and they're doing fantastic but they, they don't realize and they don't feel comfortable. I've seen this, oh, well, I've had this client for 30 years. and But but you just spent how many hours and how much money to go and learn something that's going to elevate you up? I always equate it to a specialist and a doctor. You have your general practitioner, but then you have your specialists and the specialists usually charge more than the yeah. others. And And the other thing I always say too is, Hey, that person that's been with you for like 15 years. They probably own a business, right? Or, you know, they're successful in business. Ask them if they've ever raised rates or 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 did anything <laughs> like that over time, right? So and, right. and, and again, it goes back to understanding the fundamentals. Right. That's what I always say. And I, I believe that the fundamentals are one, you got to be organized. Like everyone wants to be busy until they're busy and then they double, triple book and then they're not busy anymore. Right. Exactly. And, and that's one of them. And knowing exactly what you want, like how much do I want to make and how do I get there? Um, you but, said
1: it. I want to jump in on what you said. Yeah. We've done lots of research. When I was at NASM, we did research and we've done research at ISSA On average, when an existing personal trainer adds an additional certification, they will make $4,000 a year more. Now, that's on average. And so, if you have gone in your career and you keep adding on more credentials and you're never raising your rates, then maybe you should take a step back and look at this and say, wait a minute, am I adding that much more value such that I can actually say to someone that I deserve more? And You know, when you do that, and when you start saying to yourself, I'm actually providing more value, then it's no longer a price question. It's about a value question.
0: Yeah, it's it's so hard. Well, you know, before we wrap up too, is, you know, I know you've got, can you just discuss some of the, you know, the stuff that you've got other courses or stuff that's coming into the future, um, you know, with ISSA?
1: Gosh, um, so we today have twenty four different certifications, and to me that's kind of a, a amazing. But then when you start going through and saying, okay, well we have you know an indoor cycling certification, um, and then you start saying, well we have a DNA based fitness programming certification, which is something that I have to tell you was just mind-blowing to me so that I could take and do a cheek swab, send it off and get back markers on 26 different characteristics around me such that it helped me see how I could change my diet and how I could change my exercise. And what the certification does is it equips a personal trainer with how do I create programming for a client based on this DNA characteristics. And it's super powerful. I mean, and what what makes it so powerful is you might have clients who've been doing cardio for five hours, you know, doing it. uh, Let's just say they've been doing it um, uh, five hours a week and they've been doing this in one hour blocks. You might come back to them and say, gosh, you can get more results out of spending only three hours a week and doing it in half hour increments instead of hour increments. And so a higher level of intensity for a shorter period of time based on your genetics, you're going to get an equal or better result. So you could actually spend less total time doing this and get a better result. Those are things that you might look at and intuitively try to figure it out with a client and test your way there. Or you can get the results of that research and, and, and really help them in yeah. that way. But when it comes to the specific certifications, what I want to keep moving towards is a more complete view of exactly what you said. I want people to be a health and fitness professional. And so I don't want to brand somebody purely as just a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. I want somebody to understand that they can be in a position where we just introduced a recovery specialization. And part of that recovery specialization is around sleep. Part of it is around hydration. And so when you start thinking about you know therapy, like using whether it's a a, a Theragun or Hyperice, or you know you can you can pick your pneumatic. But when you start saying, "Hey, I can equip you with a bunch of tools that are going to get you even more success with your clients because they're going to recover better." Mm-hmm. I get really inspired, and get really excited, and I also know that I feel better in the morning. So you know, everybody should have a foam roller. Everybody should have you know a a, a pneumatic massager or whatever it might
0: yep. be. Yep, yeah, and and you know, I always go to the more you know, the more you realize you don't know, and and as you start to you know develop these skills, you you, you become known as a specialist. Like who's doing DNA. Like I didn't know about that, you know, but. You you do that you can market that as a trainer and now you you separate yourself because to right. the general population a trainer is a trainer is a trainer and everybody's right. trainer is the best until they find another trainer <laughs> and so you know your ability to separate and create a niche um, is is super powerful you know and and some right. people say don't do that but you know I I know I I and wouldn't it, be where I'm at if I didn't do that
1: and imagine your client talking to their friends. They're having lunch with their friends and saying, Oh, yeah, well, I moved to a little bit more of a plant-based diet. And they're like, Really? Why? And you know, then the person says, Oh, well, you know, I had my DNA test done, and my personal trainer was looking at this and basically concluded that I could move to a more plant-based diet and I would improve my overall health in the following ways. Love it. Great. You know, to me, it is, it's kind of like, if you think about exactly what you said, the more, you know, I always think about it as it's not just that, you know, this about yourself, your client then knows that and your client shares that with their friends and they tell two friends and then so on and so on.
0: That's it. That's it. Well, man, this has been powerful stuff. And, and just your, you can tell. The golden touch that you have because of, you know, and again, how many CEOs that and presidents that come from outside the industry, because you you didn't come from the industry, come in and can talk and deep dive knowledge and understand it. You know, which I, I have to attribute to, to some of the success because a lot of CEOs will come in and they'll look at it as a business and they'll look at it from the numbers and they'll just go with it. Um, but obviously through your knowledge and, and your ability to spit it out, is, it, it's that you're not one of them. So so thank you for helping the industry change.
1: Well, I, I appreciate that. And uh, I, it, with all humility here, I have, I know so little and there's so much more to learn and there's so much more that we can grow into Um, but I, I I love what we do in this industry because I love the way we change lives and I love the way we, we put more good out in the world every day. And so when you're putting more good into the world, it just spreads. And so that positivity, that energy, everything that you're doing. So every client you see, every person we train, every certification that we make, I feel like it's like the world's just getting a little tiny bit better. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. Well thanks again and and I I very much you know we're right in the in the backyard so I'm glad that we're we're close and love to you know connect with you soon and, and get you back on and you know anybody out there you know looking for continuing education I'll put the uh, ISSA links into the into the show notes so you can just click right there and take a look uh but I can't thank you enough it's been an absolute pleasure
1: I can't thank you enough look forward to seeing you soon